AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. And welcome to another edition of the Aviation Pros Podcast. I'm Joe Petrie, Editorial Director for Aviation Pros. Cargo operations have exploded in demand with the growth of e-commerce. This need was supercharged with the pandemic, but North American airports are finding themselves ill-equipped to meet the needs of this growing industry. I recently spoke with Greg Russell, Vice President of Aeroterm, about the challenges airport cargo operations are facing and the steps the industry needs to take to build out facilities and meet this demand. The first question I have for you today is, tell me about the current state of cargo operations at U.S. airports. How prepared are we to meet the demands of the industry? Yeah, so in short, um, I guess I'd say warehouses are full, and in general, users need more space. Um, That's really the short summary uh, for the current state of the cargo market. Um, I, I do think this is generally been the case prior to COVID-19, uh, the, the pandemic, um, but it has also certainly been magnified by the pandemic. Um, I've actually seen a couple of stats on that uh, recently that have really stuck with me. Um, specifically, McKinsey reported um, that the e-commerce market experienced 10 years of growth in only three months at the start of the pandemic. Um, and, and I also saw that IATA had estimated that over 2 billion people shopped online in 2020, with 80% of cross-border e-commerce transported by air. So taking a step back, that tells me two things. First, um, there's been an abrupt acceleration uh, in the adoption of e-commerce. And really second, that e-commerce has a strong um, tendency, I guess I'll say, to travel by air. So that's the economic landscape uh, that that we're working in, Um, really growing appetite for air cargo and and air cargo warehouse space um, or or growing demand, if you will. So on top of this trend uh, of growing demand, we do have an existing stock of warehouse facilities across airports that uh, on average are, I'd say, 20 30, 40, even 50 years old. Um, So these facilities were also built uh, really on a more ad hoc basis without a ton of thought put into, I'll say, optimizing the efficient layout of the full airport. So as you can imagine, these facilities themselves were also built uh, to more antiquated design standards given their vintages that I just mentioned. To magnify that even further, um, we're seeing increasing demand and regulations put into place emphasizing or requiring the adoption of new technology, sustainability, or new policies and procedures. Um, All of these things, by the way, are great things to be globally competitive, but it also serves to highlight how lacking the existing stock of buildings that I just mentioned are. So I think in summary, uh, the state of cargo operations at U.S. airports, um, uh, you know, we have a great need 
to update our stock of air cargo warehouses while simultaneously uh, addressing this growing demand. And frankly, I think it's a, a, a difficult but also exciting challenge that we collectively face. There's definitely a lot of challenges you outlined there, but I'm curious to know what cargo infrastructure is lacking the most in the U.S.? Yeah, that's a good question, um, and I appreciate that. I think I think the first answer is that we have to start at the beginning um, with the most glaring and, and broad need, um, which simply put, is addressing the the upgrade and redevelopment of the existing warehouse stock that that I had just referenced um, that that are older in vintage. So in some cases, the the buildings are just old uh, and inefficient, um, but in other cases, they are actually functionally obsolete. You know, many of these facilities were built by carriers for single tenant use. Uh, specifically around their own operational procedures. And at a time when delivery trucks were smaller, um, airside ramps were designed to handle up to group five aircraft, maybe the building depth, the column spacing, clear height truck dock, the queuing area, HVAC systems, lights, roofs, uh, and you name it, other building systems, they're all uh, antiquated and or physically and operationally inefficient. So I, I think we need to start by demolishing where necessary and redeveloping this stock of warehouses so that they can be upgraded to meet modern air cargo efficiency and technology standards. Um, this would include not only addressing these items at the building level, um, but we also have to address air cargo more broadly at the airport layout plan level. So. This will be a significant undertaking, uh, but I also think an extremely exciting one. And it will include thoughtful planning uh, at the airport level to promote cargo operational efficiency. And at the facility level, it will include uh, building modern facilities that can support modern cargo aircraft and modern trucks, accommodate truck traffic, uh, upgraded software systems, sustainability, climate control, enhanced security uh, and things of that nature. Um, I think, frankly, to get a little bit more specific with an example, um, one of the items we've seen as particularly interesting is that cold storage uh, capabilities really vary drastically from airport to airport and even building to building uh, at a particular airport. So this is something that was a topic of conversation before the COVID-19 pandemic. But given the success of the COVID-19 vaccine itself um, and the need to transport it along with other vaccines or medical supplies, perishables, all has just emphasized the disparity in climate controlled and cold chain infrastructure that's available. So today, uh, frankly, accommodating uh, the, the shipping of <clears throat> pharmaceuticals and perishables is really more important than ever. And adding more cold chain warehouse space will be key uh, for us to collectively meet the challenges of tomorrow. So this is 
uh, absolutely a critical aspect to building uh, one critical aspect to building a new modern cargo facility, incorporating the flexibility to accommodate cold chain related uh, cargo within the warehouse. So that's an example. And if you think back on some of the um, development need and upgrading efficiency that I had mentioned when talking about accommodating modern cargo aircraft, climate controlled space, traffic mitigation, enhanced software systems, sustainability, enhanced security, you know, all of that, it's, it's expensive. So I do think airports and developers collectively need to think about how best to, to fund this, uh, fund this initiative going forward. And it's good to hear that there's companies like Aeroterm out there that are looking to take on these challenges and invest in these types of facilities. But I guess the big question I have coming from your angle of this is, what do we need to see as an industry to spur more investment in airport cargo operations? Yeah, it's another good question. Um, so I have a few things to say on this one. And starting big picture, I think generally, um, I want to mention that I think we have a large challenge ahead, as I described before, um, that, that will certainly take collaboration between the public and private sectors. For optimal collaboration, I think consistency and transparency between the public and private sectors is critical. I also think it's critical for airports to understand that the first decision along the path of how we address these air cargo warehouse infrastructure issues is, uh, is really is answering the question, is this something they will address themselves or will they engage the private sector to help? Okay, so with that as our framework, uh, there are, I think, two main things that I wanna touch on that, I, that really could help spur more investment in airport cargo operations when engaging with the private sector. So the first thing is ground leases. Um, taking a step back, we see in off-airport real estate development, many, many, many modern facilities being built all around the world. And almost always the developer is undertaking, uh, that is undertaking the project, um, is is doing so with a with a fee simple interest in the in the underlying land or outright ownership for an indefinite period of time. This is in direct contrast to on airport development because all cargo developments on airport will be governed ultimately by a ground lease with a finite term. So this term is capped by FAA regulations at about 50 years. And oftentimes airports will go with even shorter terms. And when that happens, it's really difficult for the private developer to have enough time to sufficiently amortize their investment. Um, so ultimately I think pushing out that cap on ground lease term beyond 50 years um, and, and airports adopting an understanding uh, you know, uh, that offering a long-term ground lease allows more appropriate time for developers to amortize their investment and thus generates act more actual interest in the project at the airport. All of this would be hugely impactful um, to, to spur more investment. Um, the second thing that I want to note is really project costs. Um, this is 
perhaps magnified and maybe in some ways interrelated to my first point um, on, on the ground lease. Um, but on top of this, the, the required investment um, in a new facility has, has gone up dramatically um, over the last years and decades, really, um, because of increasing airport and regulatory requirements for technology, security, and things of that nature. Again, all good things. And we talked about this a bit before, um, but we are seeing uh, these enhanced requirements around things like traffic mitigation, enhanced software to track key performance information or other metrics, sustainability or EGSE, uh, de-icing of aircraft, um, broadly enhanced security. All of these are just a, just a few examples. Um, and as I mentioned, all of these are good things to be globally competitive and ultimately deliver a top tier facility, but they do drive costs, um, which does also pose further challenge for the developer to amortize those costs over the term. Um, this is further challenged by the fact that nowadays many facilities are leased by developers, I'll say to a wide range of users in the industry, such as ground handlers, as an example. Um, ground handlers are able to consolidate uh, cargo contracts uh, across multiple airlines, but they are often looking for shorter term agreements because their agreements with the airlines are very short term in nature and often they're cancelable on 90 days notice or less. So this places a greater leasing risk on the developer who's investing significant capital into the airport on uh, what we talked about before is a shorter term ground lease agreement. So here, what I think would help spur more investment uh, really is a clear understanding that I think the airport uh, retains financial responsibility for what I'll call the pad ready work. That's utilities or infrastructure to the sight line. That's pre-existing environmental condition, um, especially in an instance where we are looking to uh, knock down existing uh, buildings and redevelop, uh, frankly, in a more efficient manner. Um, and so I think keeping this pad-ready work uh, on the airport side of the ledger and perhaps even government assistance on either the pad-ready work or some of the enhanced requirements um, that I had mentioned really will help facilitate more interest in the project. And it will ultimately help the developer deliver the project to an end airport user at that particular airport at a rental rate that is cost effective for that airport customer's operations or business model. So uh, to try and summarize all that, in short, I really think it's two things. Um, looking at longer ground lease terms and also a proper cost split uh, uh, or assistance from the airport and the government uh, as it relates to these projects. So tell me then a little bit more about AeroTerm's recent announcement on the investment it's making at JFK. I mean, how do you anticipate this uh, kind of improvement helping things at that airport and uh, really impacting the overall operations? Yeah, I appreciate that question. We're really excited about that project. So I love every opportunity to, to talk about it. Um, so at JFK, we, you know, it's a perfect example because we are starting uh, just like I mentioned previously um, with the upgrade and redevelopment of the existing warehouse stock. 
So, so this is the perfect example of those types of upgrades at an international gateway airport. Uh, essentially, in, in our particular project, our particular situation, we are demolishing uh, two existing facilities, buildings 260 and 261, uh, both of which are functionally obsolete uh, as well as vacant. Um, and we're replacing that with a new consolidated modern single cargo facility. Uh, so 350,000 square feet, about 145 million in total investment, um, a modern cargo facility that will develop over about two and a half years and will ultimately include three adjacent group six aircraft cargo uh, uh, parking positions that will accommodate modern cargo aircraft. So all of that is super exciting uh, and we're, we're really looking forward to getting started. Um, and to, to take a little bit of a, a broader view here, this project uh, will be phase one of the broader cargo area D redevelopment and consolidation at JFK. So this is all part of um, Governor Cuomo's vision plan that was laid out, as well as the Port Authority's master plan to ultimately uh, redevelop um, an area at JFK specifically for cargo. So uh, if you actually look this area on a map, um, the, the cargo area D area at JFK. If you look on a map, it's, it's a clear example of facilities that were built um, at a time for individual carriers without necessarily long-term efficiency being top of mind. And again, you know, this is no fault of uh, the Port Authority or the airport or at the time, as this was frankly uh, commonplace. Uh, for, for carrier-built facilities. And no one had a crystal ball, right, uh, to, to see exactly where we'd end up over time. Um, but it is also indicative of both the, the challenge, but I also think the opportunity um, that we collectively have uh, for, for cargo development going forward. So, so we, Aeroterm, are really looking forward to kicking off uh, this phase one at JFK um, and it's been fantastic working with the visionary team there at the Port Authority. Now, with these kinds of facilities out there, there's been a lot of talk about inf infrastructure funding, obviously, with the new administration and, you know, the investments that need to be made out there anyways uh, in regards to this. How might this funding affect uh, charging infrastructure and the use of EGSE at facilities like yours at these airports? Look, I, I think government funding for charging infrastructure to help support uh, the use of EGSE at airports is key. Um, we talked a little bit about it, uh, about the increasing costs for developer on airport and how government can support uh, those initiatives and how that's a key part of the solution there. And I think this is one good example of that. So uh, I noted, you know, the recently announced bipartisan infrastructure package uh, actually outlined an allocation of about seven and a half billion for electric vehicles um, and and twenty five billion for airports. So uh, this, at a high level, is, is certainly encouraging. Um, now that said, I will be interested to see how the specifics of that funding get allocated. Um, you know, but imagine for a moment uh, converting your entire GSE fleet of vehicles into electric, um, swapping out millions of dollars of equipment with new EGSE equipment, then add it to the need to bring ample electric power to a facility 
to accommodate the additional load requirement. Um, in newer facilities, there will be certainly um, uh, additional cost, I'll say, to, to run conduit uh, and design the building with ample power, but it becomes even more complicated when you have to bring that same service to a 40 or 50 year old building um, that was never designed to handle the electric uh, uh, needed to service this equipment. So this is an acknowledgement uh, in my opinion, by the government, that there is a significant investment needed to facilitate the change, uh, the the change of equipment, um, and the build out of infrastructure to support that equipment. Um, you know, like I said before, I'll be interested to see the specifics of how this funding plays out. But I think conceptually, this is exactly the type of collaborative financial support that that developers and users and and frankly airports need. Um, uh, related to development projects to help incentivize demand and bring forward uh, top tier facilities. And do you think it's likely any other alternative fuels like hydrogen will get a boost from the infrastructure funding? I think that's an interesting question. Um, you know, it's certainly possible. Uh, if I take a step back and think about, you know, our recommendation, um, you know, with a lot of this with a lot of the emphasis that we've seen to date on uh, these eGSE initiatives supporting, you know, electric uh, equipment and a, and a switch over in that direction, I think our recommendation would be really to have a consistent approach uh, to fueling or how we power our equipment. Um, you know, as I mentioned, EGSE initiatives are underway in certain locations and are being discussed uh, as well in other locations. And so I think um, when it comes to the fleet of equipment that we use on airport, um, it's important to remain consistent such that we don't find ourselves in a situation where uh, there's a need to develop uh, sort of duplicative infrastructure and thus incurring the cost of doing so. Instead, um, I think it makes more sense collectively, uh, uh, you know, as, as developers, as airports, as a government, as, as users of the airport to have a unified vision for how we, how we fuel or how we power our equipment, uh, move forward in that direction. And then we can spend the, the other uh, dollars on other initiatives to help support uh, that growth and that that bringing the existing stock of facilities into uh, the modern air cargo arena. Thanks again for listening to today's podcast. For the latest information on airport cargo developments and leasing, check out our website, aviationpros.com. I'm Joe Petrie. Please stay safe out there.